Welcome to the Pinning Combination Podcast, virtual edition. I'm KJ Pilcher alongside Dick Briggs and White Schultz. Jayhawk, both of you guys were there, right? I was. <laughs> I have pictures. <laughs> well, I, you know, as far as the Jayhawk, um, you know, it probably wasn't the, the uh, strongest field that that the Jayhawk has had. Um, but uh, the, the thing that interested me, uh, Pleasant Valley, which I thought was really down this year, um, came, came away with, with the win with no champions. And only three runners up. <laughs> and only what? And only three runners up. Right. Yeah, they had three runner up, but they placed, they placed nine in the top five. Right. Um, so, um, and I think uh, West Des Moines Valley, I think they only showed up with about 10 wrestlers. But uh, uh, I, I guess that was the part that stuck out on me, though, that Pleasant Valley won with no champions. Um, and West Des Moines Valley showed up with about, I think it was 10, as, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but the other thing that stuck out on me, uh, of course, I've been following him the last few weeks, um, w- watching his progress or how he's been doing was, uh, and I brought it up yesterday, uh, Elbernet's Brody, Brody neighbor. Uh, he's, he's been uh, kind of impressive for me. Yeah, did a real nice job. Uh, the thing that was obviously uh, stuck out or it was very obvious and it was that this is the first tournament I've been to all year that didn't allow fans at the high school level. So wow. at any level, I guess, uh, that I could go attend. But uh, so that was a little bit strange. But with 14 teams, it's a bigger tournament than I've been to, uh, I believe. Uh, the other tournaments haven't been that big. But uh, so they had the, the wrestlers, and they, there were still plenty of people in the seats, and they could, you know, took up most of the bleachers to do their uh, separation. But uh, that was kind of odd. No, no cheerleaders, no fans. Uh, you could hear coaches, wrestlers, whatever. And it was, it was, it was a good day. And, Great wrestling, but that was kind of stuck out for me. How about you, Wyatt? Um, I, that's not the first tournament I've been to that didn't allow fans, so that wasn't totally unusual for me. Um, but uh, the uh, thing, the other thing that stuck out, uh, I believe Alburnett had three champions uh, and finished third. So uh, uh, I, I guess that was the other thing that stuck out. Um, I, think came had, I think they had two champs. Two champs. Boone, get this. Boone, who finished ninth, had three champs. So that's how even it was. This tournament. Yeah, it, it, it was a nice it was a nice tournament. Um, you know, like I said, I, I don't think it was the, the strongest. Fort Dodge backed out at the last minute. Um so uh and, and you were right, that was two two for Albernet. I had I had it written down too close. Uh, Fort Madison had the other one that uh, that Weissman um, from Fort Madison. Um, and, and I believe uh, Kennedy, did they just have one champion? Right. And, and Knox. Uh, and he was a Gregorian award winner. Um, you know, and I, and I had posted uh, myself, uh, I guess I, I think it's kind of interesting that Tim Ninley out of uh, Muscatine, uh, was a runner-up at every tournament he wrestled last year, except for the state tournament, of course. Uh, I think he placed. But uh, 
runner-up every tournament last year. I think he told me that he won a tournament as a sophomore. Um, but I think every, because I've seen him about three weeks in a row now, and he's won every tournament this year. So uh, I guess I find that kind of interesting. Right. And boy, is that is that kid put together. He is a power-packed athlete. Every time he gets in on a leg and lifts a guy off the mat, I'm going, easy, easy, easy. <laughs> Because I've, I've got to wrestle a ref a couple of those matches, including his finals match, which I don't think he won at Makoka. He was he, he was leading, and then uh, Xavier. Um, uh, Ivan Thomas. You're right. Yeah, yeah. He got he got beat right at the end uh, mm -hmm. up there at Makokita. You know, one other thing from the Jayhawk to, that uh, I'll point out, uh, Togay to say from uh, uh, Muscatine. Uh, one at heavyweight, he improved to 22 and one. And, and I don't know if, if you guys remember his situation from, from last year. Um, I'm pretty sure it was last year where he became a naturalized citizen during the state tournament. Uh, mm -hmm. He was, he, he was the, uh, the individual that uh, they had to rush from the swearing in ceremony, which was happening I think that Friday morning of the consolations. So he was in the consolation round uh, and he went to his swearing in ceremony. They had to pick him up at the federal building, drive him, you know, the association drove him down to Wells Fargo arena. And I think he was literally changing in the elevator um, from his dress clothes to, to warm up, single and warm ups and stuff. So, he could get down to the mat, and I think he got there in time, um, even though he lost the the consolation match and, and didn't place. But uh, I always I always think about that uh, a neat story that you know he was sworn in as a citizen of the United States and and then had to get whisked away to uh, to wrestle and, and compete at the state tournament and and just how how big of a day and, and deal that was for for him at Wells Fargo and seeing how, how good of a start he's off to, uh, this, this, uh, uh, the senior season, uh, where he's 22 and one and then, uh, came away with a title at the Jayhawk as well. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, him, him and Nimley are both going to Grandview to play football. So Togadessa. Uh, I think, uh, I think the say was an all state, uh, uh, Defensive lineman uh, for Muscatine, or at least uh, had some type of honors. So they're gonna they're gonna be uh, a Viking football player. So that's pretty good, uh, pretty good pickup for Grandview football then. And how about the Haydenfeld? You know, that's one of the things that I did kind of keep up on, or or that I that caught my eye while while I was gone. Um, you know, to see, uh, you know, traditionally the Hayden Feld's been, uh, uh, a pretty decent, uh, pretty good field. Um, and even the teams that may not be in contention, bring a couple really, really tough kids. Uh, but to see Lisbon come away with 10 champions, uh, was pretty, was pretty amazing. Um. That's a that's a new uh, uh, school record for 
individual champs um, in the tournament. You know, so uh, that uh, I think Liz, I think Lisbon's clicking on all cylinders coming out of the break. Yeah, you know, uh, basically the Hayden Feld is uh, uh, basically a two and three A school uh, tournament, and uh, you know, North Scott had a couple. You know, with ten champions, it doesn't leave very many spots for the other four, does it? You know, North Scott had a couple champions. Prairie had one, and and uh, Hayden Taylor from Solon. Right, and uh, Lisbon went ten and zero in the finals, so they had no runner-ups. That's pretty. That's a good. That's a good day. And I don't think they have a thirteen pounder either, so that adds to it. Yeah, a little bit. I think they're without a thirteen pounder, so instead of fourteen, that's going with thirteen wrestlers. So ten out of thirteen. That's it's a pretty good percentage. You take that as a coach, right? Right. And and I think that like the Jayhawk, maybe the Hayden felt it wasn't as tough unless you consider Lisbon. <laughs> but other schools are maybe down a little bit from where they've been in the past. So, I mean, obviously Lisbon makes it tough. But uh, so um, that was maybe a little bit of a factor. So one thing that was nice was a, a couple of schools had were able, were able to put in multiple athletes at, at various weights and prairie did that at 106 i believe am i right there and had right two in the finals to, to win it so uh gaimo beat uh, kegley i believe yeah. yeah the other thing that i noticed was uh 120 finals um Pez, or I, I guess i don't know how you pronounce his name actually um beating, beating whitehead out of center point um five to one uh, and that was the other thing that I, I happened to notice. Uh, the, the other one, too, uh, at, at 220 with Cole Clark and Kobe Simon, that's a battle of two uh, state runner-up wrestlers, uh, Clark in uh, 1A and Simon in 2A. And I think it's the second time in, since the break that these two have wrestled each other. I want to say Clark won by uh, – Major just a, a little bit ago, and this time uh, beat Simon 5-0. Um, Simon's got three losses on the season, and I think at least, you know, uh, two of those are, are to Clark um, here recently. So, um, you know, that's uh, – Clark's been really impressive uh, this year, 25-0. Um, but, uh, you know – that's that's two two state finalists uh, battling it out with each other and and probably one of the like 120 um, maybe a marquee matchup uh, there at the tournament. On over to Marion. The Lloyd Schaefer uh, Invitational there. That, to me, that was another interesting one with Williamsburg. Right. You know, um, did they have uh, – they had six finalists and no champions. And won, they won the tournament. But uh, um, I, I guess, you know, we, we've always known that they're just kind of a consistent dual meet team, and this kind of shows that they are. Uh, 
-hmm. maybe more so a dual team than a tournament team. Uh, and I'm talking about big, you're getting your bigger tournaments, not your, these smaller ones, but, uh, um, you know, with no champions, uh, I, I thought that was that was pretty impressive. Right, I agree. The very balanced team got to see them early on, and and uh, really no no holes. What didn't appear in their lineup. Uh, your runner-up was Wilton with three champs, but also Xavier, who was fourth, had three champions and Stanick, Shannon, and Thomas. So they had another good day with their big boys. You know, you know it's, uh, it's interesting. You mentioned those. Uh, three wrestlers. I, I, I wonder uh, when the last time Xavier, uh, if ever, um, had three wrestlers with uh, at least 22 wins and, and still be undefeated. Uh, Thomas, 22-0. and 0, uh, And then uh, uh, Shannon is 25-0. and 0, And I believe Shannon... Uh, has committed to wrestle at Iowa Wesleyan um, as well. And then Stanick at 24 and 0. Uh, uh, three, uh, three real good good wrestlers there for uh, the Saints. You know, and the other thing is, there was eight, eight different schools that had a champion at that tournament. You know, and it just, it just seems like you don't see that very often either. Yeah. including the 12th place team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That that reminds me of the uh, MVC a few years ago. Uh, remember, at, it might have been one of your last seasons, Bridgie. I think you're right. Uh, where they had 13 out of 14. Different uh, champions. Yeah, 13 different teams had, had champs that year. And, and boy, it's actually fun. I always... I always like to see that stuff being spread out. Um, you know, you, you can appreciate the dominance like Lisbon at Solon, right? But then you also like to see how, you know, things are spread out and how each team kind of has one, you know, at least one standout individual. Um, right. As well. Likely it was maybe 2017, because in 16, I know we had three champs, and 2015, I think we probably had more. But so maybe 2017, maybe. Yeah. I'll look that up because I, I, I thought that was one of the neatest. Uh, I thought it was Waterloo East. Might have been at uh, Dubuque Wallet, but I thought, I'm pretty sure it was at, the year it was at East. But years, years kind of bleed together. I'll look, you know what? I'll look that up and uh, I'll mention it next week um, just because I thought that was kind of neat when you mentioned Marion. You said eight teams had at least one champ. Mm -hmm. Northland had two champs. Bridge Rider, uh, and Bridge Bridge community, uh, with Austin Roos at 182. Right. You know, so. And Mount Vernon had a chance. Came over. Monticello at, at Kale Sampson. So, uh, yeah, things are spread around. And that's the one thing about Williamsburg, uh, just to revisit what you, what you kind of mentioned, uh, Wyatt, you know, there are certain teams like, like a Williamsburg, uh, with, with Blake Williams at, at Prairie, it was really noticeable. Uh, you get it uh, with with Doug Stryker's team at at Linmar. Um, you know, uh, a, a lot of your Jayhawk teams. Uh, Western Dubuque. Some more programs out there that are this way, but 
you know, you're going to get a competitive guy at each weight, right? I think that's one, been one of the calling cards of, of Williamsburg and, and some of those other schools that you may not have the superstar or you might not have the, the uh, real elite guy or you might have one or two of them sprinkled in, but you're going to have a guy that's 24 and 10 uh, at each weight pretty much all across the board. So, you know, there's not going to be that, mm-hmm. Oh, Hey, chalk up this one for a win or, Hey, this is a weak spot. We can get six. You're going to put a competitive guy each weight, which makes them such a good dual team. And it gives you a chance here to, to win, even though you don't have those champs because you've got guys placing um, well on the backside. Right. In the, back in the mid nineties, when Prairie had that string going of local wins uh, over a hundred or whatever were local schools and such. And then we happened to beat them that year, maybe 97 or eight, somewhere in there. And, uh, and uh, then you, know, so there were one loss on the year dual loss was to us. Well, we had a really strong dual team and not a very good tournament team. And so when it came tournament time to qualify for the, for the, uh, the dual tournament, you had to win your districts back then and we weren't a very good tournament team not as good anyway and so we didn't win they won the districts went into the state duels and were dual champs but <laughs> <laughs> the one lost them and does wow um about perry yeah west delaware uh heading over there um and and getting a victory right that was a that was a big tournament this weekend yeah, it really was. You know, um, West Delaware's had a, a pretty solid schedule this year, or at least I felt they have. But, you know, their upper weights, uh, not that they're, the lower weights are bad, but their upper weights, they had five champs uh, over there. Um, you know, Boss, Volker, Nunley, Christensen, and then Dolan at 32. But um, they're – Man, oh man, do they have a, you know, I have five champs, three runner up, 13 of those kids placed in the top five in that tournament. And uh, to me, uh, that was probably one of the more elite tournaments this, this past weekend. Um, They had number three, Logan Magnolia, uh, number fifth ranked Sergeant Bruff Luton and 10th ranked Webster City all over there. So it was a nice solid tournament. Um, and I know uh, there's at least one. Wasn't there? Oh, uh, uh, well, I, w- I want to say uh, one of the Peyton boys uh, from West Delaware might have avenged a loss uh, to somebody at uh, at Perry. Um, that, that I don't know, but you know, at 152, you had uh, two three-time finalists wrestle each other in uh, Rice and uh, Gockle. Okay. You know, even though they're in different classes, so they won't meet at the state tournament. So, but, uh, uh, and, and that was another, to me, another interesting point with Gawkel winning. You know what? I think I may be thinking of uh, West Delaware's duel with Don Bosco. Was that on Thursday? Oh, yes. With uh, Peyton beating uh, Ronavardi. Yes, I think that was it, uh, uh, avenging a, the loss from the Benton uh, tournament. I think that was 
Thursday before Saturday's tournament. Okay. That was a uh, uh, that was an overtime match. Uh, a great duel, by the way. You know, basically coming down to, uh, well, with a 36-33, any match in there would swing it the other way. So uh, you can't say I come down to the last match, even though it did. But uh, in any match that was flipped uh, would win it for the other team. Wow. wow. Great so atmosphere. Nice. They allowed fans that night, too, by the way. That, uh yeah, that was that was a great. Uh, no, that was uh, originally just supposed to be a Womack duel, and and then uh, teams added uh, Don Bosco, which which was uh, which was nice. You like to see those type of uh, matchups. Now, you you said you helped out at uh, Cascade as well uh, this weekend, Wyatt. Right, I did. Uh, well, you... I, all I did was actually was set up the uh, the video for them. Oh, okay. But, but they, uh, you know, they had their annual tournament uh, there, and Union Community comes away with a team title edging uh, Western Dubuque. Um, you know, a, a couple champs there for the Knights, including Adam Aronson, who's uh, who's back in only 10 matches uh, this season, but back in the lineup there for, for Union, and that was good to see at, at 182. Yeah, I had that. Uh, uh, I had that written down someplace. Well, another one was at 120 with Fraser beating Zymat again. Uh, I think that's two weeks in a row that uh, that them two have met. Mm -hmm. uh, I, f I forget where they were a week ago, um, but uh, uh, you know, a couple of the top kids from uh, from this area meeting again. Uh, Houston, of course, from Midland. Uh, and then uh, at, at 32, um, you had brought it up before, Aiden Noonan mm -hmm. was a champion. And what were you saying before? This happened uh, this week? Uh, on, on Thursday, uh, in, in their duels on Thursday, he actually uh, uh, became Cascade's all-time winning wrestler. Um, he improved to 165 and I believe nine in his career uh, after the Cascade tournament. So he's after he's 30 and 0 this year, and I believe he's 165 and 9 overall. His brother Nolan uh, had been all time uh, wins leader uh, with 160. And uh, I got uh, a kick uh, in exchange of messages with uh, Cascade coach Travis Andrews. Um, <clears throat> And he said it was something that they never really talked about. They kind of expected it. Uh, you know, Aiden's not really worried about it because, uh, you know, he's got bigger goals. And obviously that's to, to get his third uh, state title here in February. But he said the one thing I noticed was he, uh, he went over and, and had a bag of popcorn, which uh, if you know Aiden, uh, very strict and disciplined with what he does and he's out of routine and he sticks with it and he said that's the first time I've ever seen him go over and stray from his routine and treated himself to a bag of popcorn he said it was a bag of popcorn well earned so uh, he followed that up with a, a strong performance at 132 and he defeated Colton Crawford who's a, a very quality 2A wrestler for Union in the final 
you know, and the other thing, uh, going going through the hallway there at at Cascade uh, with their wrestling records, um, uh, there's a lot of Noonans in the, in all the in all the in all the record books up there. Uh, now one just kind of transferred from one brother to the other, so yeah, uh, that was good. And uh, one other shout out I want to give. Uh, uh, Cedar Rapids, Washington had a champ. Their heavyweight Tate Sakura Mathis uh, came away with a title. He improved to, to ten and one this season. So want to give the, uh, the old warrior a shout out there for for that victory. And then uh, I know one other one other area tournament too. Uh, MFL had their tournament. Uh, I believe Crestwood came away with a team title there. MFL was second. So. Um, you know, yeah, Cresco had eight champions. Cresco had eight champions. Did they really? Yeah. Wow. So that was a pretty impressive performance. I will say this too, in regards to in regards to tournaments. Uh, Linmar it was at the Ankeny Invitational and took second. Oh, okay. They had uh, five uh, finalists, two champs, and three runners up. The champs were Bryce Park and Luke Gaffney, and then uh, runners up Braden Park, Grant Cress, and and. And our favorite one to say Abbas Kimokai, right? <laughs> like, and uh, anyway, they uh, uh, did a good job there. Uh, one other note was that Bettendorf Invitational, I thought was a pretty difficult tournament in terms mm -hmm. of quality. Uh, Lockheed walked away with that one with 10 finalists, three champs. Waverly Shellrock was also there, eight finalists, five champs. Bettendorf, five finalists and four champs. So three, those three solid teams. Also Urbandale was there as well. So. Um, Quick note on those. I was able to uh, be on uh, on uh, um, the at the Solon duels and ref that Monday night. Solon went went three and zero, oh, and it was Muscatine and Midland and Tipton also there. And I, I was impressed with wrestlers on all four teams. They did a nice job. But Solon uh, won that went three and zero. Oh, they they beat. Uh, oh, sorry. Then uh, then Muscatine was was second. They beat Midland forty three to forty two. And it, and it was tied. Actually, that's what the, it was. A tied forty-two all went down to the sixth tiebreaker, which is the fewest number of forfeits. And uh, they they won the tiebreaker there. And uh, so anyway, good night there, Russell. I'm I'm uh, you know I, I suppose we should um, um, lead into the girls' state tournament, but uh, uh, I don't know if you noticed the one hundred six bracket down there at Bettendorf. Um, Ella Schmidt was the runner-up. I did not. No. Um, she defeated uh, Busa. Uh, I, I'm probably butchering his name from Comanche, uh, who's uh, who we have ranked number four and two A. Uh, she beat him five to two in the semis. Uh, Freeman from Waukee beat her and or pinned her. I think or no, Tech Falder in the finals. But uh, uh, you know that's a solid bracket with Waverly and Walk or Waverly and who else was in there? Waukee. Yeah. yeah, and uh, going into the uh, to the state tournament, of course, she's the number one seed, uh, believe it or not, at 106. Well, uh, you can only imagine that. And that being said, I will say this: as an official, I've noticed fewer females wrestling in the in the boy, I'll call them boys tournaments uh, this year because there's more all-girl tournaments. There's more opportunities for them to go. The ones that I do see wrestling typically are pretty darn good girls wrestlers and they're competitive with the boys. So that doesn't surprise me with her. Well, yeah. you know, 
And last weekend, uh, Independence had their tournament, the girls tournament, and there was 230, uh, around 230 girls uh, entered in that tournament. And was it two weeks ago or a week ago? Uh, Anamosa had theirs and they had 130. And those are the probably the two biggest ones I've heard of this year. And, um, and it's only growing, you know, they're getting a lot of matches anymore. Well, um, I did get these numbers. They had 698 that took the skin fold test females that took the skin fold test this year. Um, I, I don't know. What's the, what's the count at the uh, state tournament? What did that land on? I think it came out to 474. Okay. And you're going to have just because you took a skin fold doesn't mean you even came to practice. You know, you do that before the season. So that's true with the boys too. You're going to have a, an elevated number there, but it kind of tells you the growth of, of the girls. So good job. You know, and, and I'm, I'm actually going to run through the, the number one seeds at the, at the girls tournament this weekend uh, at one Oh six was Ella Schmidt from Bettendorf. Uh, at 13 was Ava Diaz from Waverly Shell Rock. 120 was Ashlyn Miller. I believe she's from North Cedar, if I'm not uh, mistaken. 26 was Emma Grimm from Osage. Uh, 132 was Alexis Ross from Fort Dodge. 138 was Abby McIntyre from Glenwood. 145, Janelle Avila of uh, Lisbon. Uh, 152 was Madison Diaz from uh, Waverly Shell Rock. 160, Morgan Griffith from Spencer. 170, Kendall Clark from uh, Humboldt. 195 was Rachel Eddy from Independence. And 285 was Millie Peach from uh, Iowa Valley. So, uh, you know, in all those brackets, they're all 64-man brackets, except for them upper two weights. And those were 32-man brackets. So uh, they're, they're pretty loaded. You know, some of those brackets are 50-plus 50, 50 brackets. Wasn't it just two years ago we were saying that some of the brackets were under eight competitors? <laughs> right. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's just, it's really, really grown. And, and that's probably what irritates me more about the previous discussions with people about female wrestling. Because the the when you talk – to the powers that be about female wrestling before um, the the discussion was always you show us the numbers first then we'll give you the opportunities that's how it goes you show us the interest then we'll show you the opportunities then we'll give you the opportunities and the the plea was always we need the opportunity to be able to drum up the interest, right? And they're like, no, that's not how it works. Not That's not how it works. And excuse my language, I think the growth that we've seen over the last few years shows how ass backwards the argument against getting this going was to begin with. And it's more directed to the governing one certain governing body that still seems to be resistant to sanctioning the sport. You guys can figure out the, the letters on your own. But, uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that people within the wrestling world finally decided, you know what? Kind of, kind of that line from the Grinch. If I can't find one, I'll make one instead. You know, 
these people decided we're going to provide our own opportunities then. Screw it. We'll show them. We'll, we'll, we'll do it ourselves, and then we'll show them. Uh, I think the association has really backed them and allowed them to start sanctioning these tournaments that are female only, you know, uh, those competitions. Um, there's still a lot of work to do, but I think the growth of, of the participation numbers has shown that the interest was there. They needed the opportunities. The wrestling world have finally just kind of decided, hey, we'll do it ourselves. Provided the opportunities, and now you're seeing it kind of feed off uh, itself and, and growing this way. Yeah, and, and uh, it's been a giant leap this year in terms of numbers from last year. Even. And so I think they'll stand up and take notice now. I mean, obviously, Iowa is the only state in the nation that has two governing bodies, a female and a, and a male governing body with, with the state associations and unions. And uh, anyway, so that's, that is part of the issue there. Um, I mean, I get it because you've got to provide coaches, you've got to provide opportunities. And so it's kind of a, a, a tangled little, little mess, but it's not one that can't be worked out. So I think we'll see that in the future. I really believe that. So I, I, I applaud the coaches that have embraced recruiting the, the females. I, it's just been fun to watch, really. So good job. Right. And, and also, uh, to me, um, the, the level of wrestling, the quality of it, maybe I said the quality of wrestling uh, for the girls has just increased uh-huh. phenomenally in the last two years. Yeah, that's going to happen, but th- that's not the issue is let's, no. get, let's get them in a, a state tournament, and, and obviously that's going to happen, so the quality. So. Uh, a couple of, you know, you talked about the, the quality, you know. Um, I was, I was had um, so female wrestlers go on and and do some very good things at, at different levels. Um, you know, Rachel Waters, uh, Felicity Taylor, um, you know, Megan Black, um, Jasmine Bailey, uh, you know, wrestled in college as well, you know. Um, you've got wrestlers now like Millie Peach, who I think is ranked ninth, maybe nationally. Um, you know, uh, the, the Eddie girl from Independence, I think, is a, is a top 10 uh, type wrestler. Uh, Janelle Avila um, is ranked nationally. So you, you've got high school girls that are making their mark you know, on a national level, just as, just as much as their uh, male counterpart. So, uh, you know, it's it's not just quantity now. It's not just 472 girls, but why? just to echo what you said, it's quality. You've got elite wrestlers, um, you know, amongst your peers there. And, uh, you know, it's it's been cool to, to see that kind of develop uh, – and it can only go keep going up. I think it'll just keep climbing. Right, and and to add to the, uh, go past the high school level, like you you're saying, we've got some some uh, colleges in Iowa now that have started to do a girls program. So mm-hmm. very nice there. They've got a stepping stone. And the first one, you guys remember? Grandview, Walworth. 
Was it Waldorf before Grady? Waldorf uh, won a few, yeah. But, you know, they're just kind of tucked away, and they're kind of their own thing for a while that you just kind of forgot about it a little bit. But, yeah, Waldorf, uh, I believe, was uh, the first one um, to have a a female program. Yeah, they're probably five years old or so. Yeah. That that many, huh? Yeah. Yeah, so... um, we can brush on that next week because uh, they're going to have a uh, men's and women's duels down there in uh, uh, Oskaloosa, I believe it is. So, uh, is William Penn? Yeah. So we'll okay. hit on that next week. Uh, before we touch on a hot uh, button item to, to close the, the podcast, uh, what other uh, events this week kind of stand out outside of the Iowa Wrestling Coaches and Officials Association Girls State Tournament down in Coralville Extreme Arena? Well, the, to me, that well, this weekend you have the Herbergens over there in Battle Creek, Ida Grove. You got Ed Winger in uh, in Urbandale and the Bob Luters. I, I, to me, those have always been the three biggies. And the Luters down in Clinton. Right. Yep. Okay. And I'll say at the youth level, we haven't had very many youth tournaments, but they, uh, they're starting to fire up a little bit. The USA State is being held down at the powerhouse in Cedar Rapids. Oh, the Alliant Energy Powerhouse. Don't get to say, haven't had, got to say that very often. <laughs> no. You can ask Nathan. I love that name. I love the name that they came up with. It's awesome. Um, so, yeah, make sure uh, you're, you're – Wyatt, I'm guessing you're going to be down at Clinton, don't you usually? Uh... Well, yeah, yes and yes and no. Tomorrow I'm going down, and we're going to set up down at the uh, Extreme Center. Okay. I'm helping set that up tomorrow, uh, and then I will be there Friday afternoon uh, before I head to Clinton on Friday evening for the Saturday tournament. Okay. Um, I've so got uh, a few places. I've got people in place to do interviews all weekend uh, at the uh, at the Extreme Center for for the girls, uh, and I'm also doing the award stand photos as well as uh, photos uh, during the whole tournament itself. Okay, awesome. So I'm busy. Awesome. Uh, yeah, going. You're going to be at a lot of different. Uh, you're going to have to learn how to clone yourself. Well, you know, and the thing is, when I get done here, I'm headed up to, uh, headed over to Mount Vernon, Cascade, Loris, and back. <laughs> so, uh, let, let's, let's wind things up here. Uh, one of the things that uh, was announced while I was gone, the MVC has decided to can the super meet. Um, some programs didn't want to compete in it because it was too close to that window uh, of quarantine to, to the postseason. Um, so for the first time since, uh, I believe my senior year in 1993, uh, we're not going to have an MVC super meet. Um, you know, what are your thoughts? Because this may not be the only one. Um, I know talking to Brad Smith at Lisbon and if the tri rivers conference doesn't change, um, scheduling he said he probably won't have lisbon wrestling it because it butts up to sectionals and, and they don't want to take any chances there with possible uh problems um 
I have to believe there are other coaches that feel the same way. So, uh, you know, is this something, was it, was it a good decision? Was it an unnecessary decision? Do you see other decisions like this being made by other conferences? I, uh, I was going through and I put on the website uh, today, the 1A, the top 10 teams uh, destinations for this coming weekend. Uh, I believe they call it the top of Iowa conference or the North Iowa conference with Osage. They moved theirs a week ahead. Theirs is, is this weekend. So there there's conferences that are um, accommodating, I guess, uh, the schools to, to fix that. Uh, so that they don't run into that quarantine period. So as I understand it, you're quarantined when you get tested positive or uh, the contact tracing or whatever. So, so here's, here's the deal. If a person gets, uh, gets the virus and then four or five days later tests positive, and then they have to tell everyone that they've been in contact with, maybe at a tournament that past weekend, and you're, it's Thursday of that week. Now that person goes and gets tested, and you don't get your results right now. It may be a day or two before you get those in some cases. So now you're seven, eight days into or more into when you have that, and you and that's when you begin your quarantine. So now all of a sudden you're quarantined because of a contact tracing that you had that happened eight days ago. Now you have to sit your ten days or whatever it is. So is it a good decision? If you're an elite team that's trying to win a state tournament, I think so. If you're not, or if you have, you know, if you have any, break it down to individuals on your team. You know, you have you have some that would be affected by not being able to wrestle in the state tournament. And, the, and then you have others that probably aren't going to make a state tournament. Now they've lost their conference tournament. So it's to me, it's a two-sided coin. And it's right for one person and and right for the other person, both sides of it. So um it, it's a difficult decision. I understand what, where coaches are, are, are uh, what they're thinking there, but uh, I'd have to say, you know, it, it kind of is a tough decision to make, but I think the coaches, it was coach generated in the, in the Mississippi Valley. So. Uh, Briggsy, are you surprised that they didn't make an accommodation? Um, you know, move it to a, you know, are you surprised that, that the ADs didn't say, hey, okay, then, you know, let's move it to a date that we can get this in? Well, I think it just happened middle of last week or the end of last week. So they, they couldn't have moved it to this week. They might have been able to bump it up to next week, is it, or whatever. But people are kind of committed. So maybe, I don't know, uh, you know, um, but you've got you kind of you've got this factor too. You've got some most three A schools and then also a two A school. So their sectional tournament is a week earlier with yeah. Waller. So um, it's kind of complicated. So I'm not surprised because I think it's just easy to say no, we're not having it and not affect other tournaments and schedules and such. So there. Yeah, I, I, you know the the other thing too. Moving a tournament is easy in concept. You know what I mean? You could sit there and go, well, why can't we do it, you know, on a Friday night? Or why can't we do it uh, this Saturday instead? And like you said, you know, there are other tournaments 
that would be effective or affected if, you know, the MVC teams decided, hey, we're not going to go down to the looters. We're going to, that's, we're changing our MVC meet to that weekend. We're going to do that. But you've got other winter sports that are going on that, that might have schedules that, uh, that won't allow you to do it. You've got volunteers and tournament workers. You know, you can't just snap your fingers and get people, you know, uh, to show up in a week or, or whatever. Um, now, I'm sure this was this was something that was probably presented a while ago, but still, it's it's not easier said than done, or it's much easier said than done when it comes to changing the date of a whole tournament. I don't think um, it was. Uh presented uh, quite a while ago because they, they did have a plan in place to have the tournament in two separate schools. So it was going to be held at Jefferson and at Kennedy and like the first seven weights at one school and the next seven weights at the other school. So that was in place. So I think it happened. You know, people got thinking about it and they started getting close, closer. So anyway. Well, I think what happened was one of the schools backed out uh, you know, and then then the more and more schools started backing out is what happened. And um, it got to the point where there wasn't enough schools to have a tournament. Well, uh, but my my point essentially is it's not just that easy to move a tournament. No. Or two. You know? Yeah, or have two, you know, move two sites. Yeah, like, like you mentioned. So, yeah, but it's just like what Dick says. It's as coaches, it's a hard decision, and I don't know if you can really fault anybody for making one decision over the other. And then again, with the the ads and administrators, you know, I can I can see where it was a cancel or you know, either have it on the date that it's scheduled or we have to cancel it. And if we have to cancel it, so be it. Um, I I just. It's a hard, hard decision, and if if that's what you have to do for the betterment of of your wrestlers, and if that's you know you decide not to have it, and and that's fine with uh, the ads, then so be it. It's just unfortunate, you know. But that's kind of uh, the theme, I guess, over the last ten months. You know, a lot of things that have been unfortunate. Just because of the situation. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's just it's just not that easy to just oh let's change it. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Any other parting comments or anything? I know. Uh, I know one thing. Um, the uh, this week, either today or tomorrow. We should probably get an idea of what the state tournament format's going to be like. Um, you know, I think the the board meeting, the board of control meeting is tomorrow. I want to say it could be today, but I think it's tomorrow, the twenty first, um, where they're voting on format and and schedule and stuff like that. So we'll see that. We'll be able to talk about that next week um, as well. But uh, any any. Any shots? Uh, any parting words of wisdom? 
Um, I don't have any parting wisdoms of any time, but <laughs> me neither. <laughs> but that's beside the point. But it'll be interesting to see tomorrow uh, what they actually come up with. Of course, we've all, all had the rumors, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what they what they do come up with. Sure. Briggs, any last words? Yeah, just be safe out there and wrestlers. Keep yourself virus free, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Briggsy and I are going to be at uh, Iowa City West tomorrow night. Uh, got the call for uh, number six, Iowa City West versus number nine, Dubuque Hempstead in a duel. Iowa City West is their second uh, competition of the season because of uh, a lot of different factors and and everything. So uh, uh, tune in to KCLG 9.2 for, for that in my, my story at thegazette.com. Wyatt, uh, where are you going to be tomorrow night? And, of course, we already know that you're going to be jumping around from Coralville and Clinton and all spots in between this weekend. Yeah, I, um, to be honest, I'll, I'll have to see how tomorrow goes if, I go, if I'm able to go anyplace. Um, but I will mention that our uh, next set of rankings will be out on Thursday, tomorrow. Okay. So um, we'll have our set number four come out tomorrow. So um, after that uh, – I guess I would say uh, let's keep wrestling on the move. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next week.